If you enjoy the following podcast, please consider supporting the Stream Grace Network. Just visit streamgrace.com slash support. Hi, and welcome to my digital world. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable. Here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. All right. Today's podcast is brought to you by the process of photosynthesis. Without it, there'd be no plant life and therefore no oxygen. Subsequently, no human life on this planet. So thank you, photosynthesis, for all that you do for us. Yep. You know, we need laugh tracks. That's what we need. (laughs) (laughs) Today's guest is Dan Anderson from Eternal Life Church in Marla, Oklahoma. Is that all right? What I said? Perfect. What is your, do you call it, are you the senior pastor? Is that what we call you? Uh, Pastor Dan. Dan, Pastor Dan. I like it. Whatever. Whatever floats our boat. Absolutely. So um, for our listeners, I got to meet uh, Dan about three weeks ago. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, man, it was it was kismet, as they say. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, thanks for being here. My pleasure. This My is pleasure. awesome, man. Oh, yeah. I know it was a drive for you. So, you know what? Though it wasn't too bad. There was some traffic coming in on uh, forty four, but um, we did this illegal thing where we just like went through <laughs> the grass. Oh, nice! And I'm in a four by four. We're from the country anyway, so See, it's this like is good stuff. It, it, we're we're trailblazing for Jesus is what we're doing. I love this. And uh, just took some side roads, and boom, we're here. It was no big deal at all. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I did that. I was uh, driving down to San Antonio. I think it's San Antonio for my kids' uh, graduation from BMT, basic military training. Yeah. And uh, we had one of those moments in the 4 by 4 But, you know. That's what God made them for. That's what, This is the thing. Why sell it to us that's right. if we're not supposed to use it? I agree. Right? They I mean, want us to use it. I would think so. That's what, I mean, I'm going to use it. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, obviously, we're going to get into a lot of stuff today. Mm-hmm. But before we get into the stuff that I think is why people are listening, we want to listen, make them know things that they don't want to know. <laughs> Because otherwise, what's the point? Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about where you grew up. Um, I grew up in a little town right outside of Marlowe, Oklahoma. Now, Marlowe's small, but there's an even smaller community called Central High. Wow. And uh, Central High is, um, I don't know, a population of seven. I don't know. There's not a lot of us there. Okay. That's, it's a it's a small school. It's class C, eight men football. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, our, I think our... Um, Iron Man, too, probably. <clears throat> yeah, no kidding. Um <laughs> But uh, grew out in the country nearly all my life. Um, mom and dad, um, I'm an only child biologically, but I've got nine adopted brothers and sisters. Woo, that's so, awesome. Yeah, there's 10. My, my youngest, um, mom and dad got into foster care when I was around eight or nine years old. I can't remember. I think I was eight. Um, but through the years, uh, through adoptions, and, and, and mom and dad had over 250 kids in our home throughout the years of their time of fostering kids, uh, but ended up adopting nine. And I'm the oldest. I'm 43. 40, no, I'm 42. not 43 yet. Good Lord. Dude, I started doing that in my 40s, too. It's crazy. Kind of lose track. Yeah, yeah. You start thinking about six months ahead, you start calling yourself that age. Absolutely. That's where I found it. It, it happens. And so I'm 42, <laughs> and my sister is 16. Okay, wow. So there's this massive gap of, of siblings in between that. So yeah. um, 
it was always busy, always something going on. Um, my dad was, he was a pastor. He was an evangelist, uh, traveled a lot, a lot of ministry, grew up in the church all the time. Um, I told him we had the drug problem. We got drugged to church all the time. So <laughs> that was, that, that was a constant in my life. Um, and so with, with church, also a big thing with me was music, and I loved music. I started playing drums when I was about 10 years old. My dad was a drummer. My grandpa was a drummer. So drums, bass, guitar, guitar, those things were just uh, it was a part of our world. Yeah. And, and I remember one of the funnest things for me was we would go outside because my dad had a sound system, and we'd set the sound system up in our front yard where there's like cows and chickens <laughs> and horses next door. Um, so a captive audience. Absolutely. <laughs> and we would just crank it, and we're playing all this old gospel music and I just stuff like that. I, I recall I loved, loved music. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Man, when I was 16, I had a, a my first band, mm-hmm. and uh, my drum. we were practicing at my house, and the drummer left his drums set up at my house, right? So I walked in one day and I thought, well, I'm going to play on the drums. You know, no one's here. Right. I, I realized that day I missed my calling. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, that thing, that was a blast. They are. They're, music to me in general is just so much fun. It's it's, it's an orchestration of things and it's it's uh, people working together and the dynamics of it. I, I've always been fascinated. I've always loved it. Man, me too. For the same reasons. Yes. You know, I hear people a lot, um, parents especially, because like organized sports, this is, and I'm going to go somewhere with this. Right. When I see organized sports, um, you, you have, you have the parents that are obviously living vicariously through their kids. Yes. Right. Yes. And so I'll, I'll hear parents say, I just don't have time for this. And they start going through what they have to do. Yes. And I go back and go, wait a minute. What, what part of that is you have to do anything? Right. <laughs> exactly. Know? And one of the things they get into, I said, okay, so what's the big deal with organized sports? And they're like, well, it teaches teamwork. And I said, let me tell you, you want to teach teamwork, get them into music. Absolutely. Because you can't, the, the failure is evident when one person is not being a team player. Absolutely. I love that there's a uh, a movie, a drum line. Yes. And there's a, there's this one line. He says, you have to love the sound of the band over the sound of your own drum. Yes. And that's the way that's always been with me. I, and I tell people all the time, um, I'm a senior pastor, but honestly, I'm a really great team player. Right. I love the fact of watching our staff and our team come together and, and working as a cohesive unit and things just clicking. And when, when things work together, great things are accomplished. That's what makes it work. Absolutely. And that's the thing with, with music and, and my love for the band. I was always a band nerd, always. Mm-hmm. But um, I, uh, I I was drawn into that because just because of the orchestration of it, the way that everybody worked together to make this beautiful melody happen. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is, man. Yeah. It's... But you know that's that's it. I mean, music is yeah. music is supernatural. I mean, it really is. Well, and I remember we were only allowed to listen to gospel music. Yeah, okay, yeah. Just, just gospel music only. Yeah. Except I have a grandpa on my mom's side who's a total outlaw and rebel, and he would take me up into his attic and he pull out this old record player, Hank Williams. <laughs> Bro, I'm not even kidding. And he puts on this he puts on this record and and I. You got to understand, I've never heard anything but gospel music, old quartet gospel music, which is great. Uh, Four part harmonies are awesome. Sure. Um, But he puts this uh, puts this record on and this guy starts singing. He stopped loving her. today, And I'm (laughs) like, oh, my God, I'm in love with country. How about Um, that? Yeah. And so but he would also expose me to the blues. Yep. And to jazz. Mm. And when I got into jazz, that was it. I fell in love because you it, can't hit a wrong note in jazz. It makes sense, <laughs> but it makes no sense. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. So organized uh, chaos. Absolutely. All the way, man, dude, we got a jam. That's what's got to happen. Okay. We got to sit down and jam at some point. I'm good with that. Cause man, 
I'm good I, with that. Just, I dig that stuff. Absolutely. It's so funny too. Cause that's, I, I didn't really start getting into country music till I worked at a radio station. Mm-hmm. And when I do, I had to listen to all the stations I was helping in their digital world. And man, I'm like, I kind of like country. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> I kind of like it. And uh, I, I, you know, for me, it was the melody. It's the most singable music to me. It is. You know, it's just, it just goes. What know? I, what I loved about country is it's storytelling. Now yes, the, the modern yeah. country, it, it is what it is. Yeah. But the older stuff, when they start telling stories that gets my juices flowing because I, I was, I, I wrote for, um, journey records out of Nashville for a while. For yeah. God, and then we wrote gospel songs and I wrote some stuff for them. Um, and I, and what I loved about the gospel music side was the same way you were telling a story. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I need to be. Here's what I'm going through and, and how good God is. Right. You know? Yeah. That's something, yeah. uh, being in the, uh, worship ministry for so long, people would talk about, um, you know, writing songs. I said, the challenge is if you're writing, um, if you're just a songwriter, you can write about anything you want. Yes. If you're a gospel songwriter, you can't write about anything you want. <laughs> you, you have to somewhere in That's there. Right. And, if, and if you're a worship songwriter, mm-hmm. you're really just you're just writing nothing more than just glorifying God, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying that. No. But it just it's it's a different approach. Absolutely. It's a different approach. Absolutely. Anyway, wow, we just so off the we rails. Went way off. But you know what? We, we we went four by four. We did. That's that's it. It's what happens when you both have one. You're just no like, yep, let's go do let's this. Let's do this. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Uh what were you like when you were little? Oh man. Um I was very shy. Okay. Very quiet. Um I we were raised in a home where children were definitely seen but not heard. Mm-hmm. When when we had company over or people came over and you know, church folks would come over. We were we were trained like you just be quiet, enjoy the moment, or go play with the kids. Um, but I was I was really really good um, by myself. Uh, I had a really crazy imagination, and so I'm the guy out there. I'm the kid like I'm in my whitey tidy underwear, throwing the football <laughs> up in the air and catching the football. So I was the quarterback and the wide receiver, and I scored the touchdown. It prepared you for the eight man football, is what it did. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Um, but I would I, I could take um, a spoon and some GI Joes and be gone all day. Yeah. Or I could put on my, my guns and my cowboy hat and I'm, I'm out the door and I was gone. Um, but that was, that was me. I didn't need a lot of people. I had, I had great friends, but, um, when they weren't around, I didn't need them. Yeah. I could, I could always just, uh, my imagination would kick into overdrive. Yeah. And so you, and you were raised in church, like you said, right? So yes. your, your dad was a pastor and an evangelist. And evangelist. He okay. traveled a right. lot. Um, so yeah, uh, those were fun summers because not everybody went with dad when you traveled, but he would always let me go with him. Oh, and cool. So that was a lot of fun time during the summer on the road and being with dad. It was yeah. always a blast. Was it pretty pretty widely traveled across the country or stay uh, regional? It was Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. Okay. Pretty much that. Yeah, those yeah. three states. Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's fun when I hear you talk, and, and we've had a few occasions for this, but uh, I'm struck by some of our similarities. Um, one of them being like, I was super shy when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, like if a waiter asked me what I wanted for my meal at a restaurant, I'd almost tear up. Like right. it was, I couldn't do this. Yeah. And so I had this moment in my life where that just, that switched and it was a very distinct moment. I can talk about it. I know exactly where it was. Did you have anything like that happen with you? Um, when I was a teenager, I really, um, I got fed up with church. Mm-hmm. I got fed up with, with the mess of, of things that I would see behind the scenes and not, not my dad. My dad was, 
I never saw my dad out of character. I never saw my dad not be the same guy that you saw at Walmart that was behind the pulpit. He was the same guy. But the people that I would see, you know, saying things behind his back. And as a kid, I'm telling you, kids see and hear so much. And I would hear a lot of things like people would shake my dad's hand, but then they'd trash talk him behind his back. And and then growing up in that, I just got to the point where I was like, you know, I don't even think this is real. Mm -hmm. I I don't think this is real. And um, I checked out, checked out pretty early. And I uh, started doing, you know, start smoking cigarettes and you drinking a little bit of beer. And then it just it snowballs. And um, I was still very, very shy. Um, I remember we did the school play and they say, if you're not part of this, you know, because we were in drama and they say, if you don't be part of the school play, you you fail. Wow. And um, I was like, well, what's the sound guy do? There it is. And they're like, well, we need one. I'm like, I'm your sound guy. And like, <laughs> I remember I like had to push play for a sound effect and stop to stop the sound effect. And that was all I did. Um, but I passed. And I didn't have to be in front of people. And actually, my um, my junior year, they were going to fail me because I would not do uh, an oral report. Mm. I couldn't get in front of everybody. And you know, our class, our graduating class, I think was maybe 21. Oh, wow. Maybe. Okay. It was yeah. a small, small, but I, I just couldn't get couldn't in front of people. That. I couldn't do it. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm getting all this, I'm in, in all this mess of my life as a teenager and just getting worse and worse. And here I am, I'm, I'm graduating high school. Um, I've totally spiraled out and just doing stupid stuff. And I remember going to church on a Sunday night and I believe it was May 21st, 1997. Hmm. And uh, I accepted Christ as my savior. It wasn't my dad preaching. It was another church. But I remember sitting there and feeling like, what if all this is real? Yeah. What if everything? Because I just knew that the world I'm in right now is not, this is not it. God did not, I wasn't created for this, this mess that I'm in. And so what if this is real? And so I'm questioning all this. And so I, I go down to the altar and, and in, in the Pentecostal world, usually if you go to the altar, um, they're like these grannies are going to get a hold of you and they're going to pray you through to right. Jesus. They're going to like, you don't you. leave unless you're changed. That's right. And, <laughs> and it was so odd because nobody knelt down beside me. Mm. Nobody came and prayed with me. It was like me and Jesus. Wow. And, uh, I'm not a big crier. I'm not a big emotional. That's not me. It drives my wife crazy, but that's just not who I am. Um, weddings, funerals, things like that. It's just, it's not me. Uh, but that night I said, Jesus, if you're real, show me. Hmm. And bro, I bawled and snotted on the altar and cried. It was like just years of just coming out of me. And I heard this voice that I love you. Hmm. And if you'll stay with me, I'll never leave you. And I was like, that. I was like, if I stay with you, you're not going to leave me. So no matter what I go through, if you're, if I stay with you, you're going to be with me. And I accepted Christ. And it was funny because that's a, a Sunday night and a friend of mine calls me Monday and he's a youth pastor and he's like, Hey Dan, how you doing? I've had you on my heart. And I was like, you're not gonna believe this. I got saved. I'm done with the party life. I'm done with this craziness. I'm done. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm graduating high school. I'm out of high school and I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life, but I'm not going back to that mess. And he was like, man, come to my youth group and preach for me. Wow. And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I am not going to be my dad. Uh, That was like, I'm not doing that. And so, um, I did it. I went anyway, and and I remember I, I had uh, I had my scripture, and I had f- like three points on the side. I read the scripture, read the points, and I sit down. Total sermon was four minutes long. Yeah, there it is. But when I looked up, these kids are like crying. Wow. And tears are flowing, and I'm like, something switched in me, and I knew that I have a voice. Mm-hmm. That I didn't know that I could be powerful. I didn't know that God had placed something inside of me that would be so life changing to others, and. Um, that was my call to preach, and that was my moment of just shifting, where that everything did, shifted yeah. in me. And 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 I, um, 
yeah, I, c- I can't tell you what happened. I just know that it happened. Yeah, well, yeah. sure. That's yeah. man, that's amazing. Yeah. I want to go back. You said something. You know, you talked about seeing people talk about your dad behind your back, behind yeah. his back and stuff. Yeah. So l- let me ask you this: as as a senior pastor today, as yeah. as that that role, mm-hmm. does that does you get cynicism out of that? Do you ever think about that with people around you? I have. Um, I've been in ministry twenty three years now. And so I've walked through a lot of old pain, a lot of old hurt. And and what's helped me more than anything is to recognize my own sin nature, my own flesh nature. And to think back and say, you know, how many people have I talked about? Mm. How many people have I ran down? I mean, really? Yeah. Let me be honest. Somebody ticks you off and you get in the car and you're like, I can't believe them. Blah, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so there was there was a period in my life where I was very very guarded and and unsure and, and honestly scared to let people get close to me because it's like how it's going to happen how long until you stab me in the back mm-hmm. um, but once again once you when you understand the grace of God that's in your own life and you understand how that operates now all of a sudden I can give a lot of grace to a lot of people I can understand that I may say something that rubs me the wrong way or they read it the wrong way in a text or an email um, I had a great pastor who sent me an email and I read it and I was so angry. I was so angry at this guy. And I was like, how dare you? I mean, come on, I'm giving everything I got to this thing. I'm, I'm your guy and you're going to email me this. And so I'm like, I'm gonna go talk to him. And so I got my laptop and I'm, I mean, I'm in the right and I'm just gonna like show pastor exactly what's going on. And so he's like, come on in Dan. And I'm like, Hey, I want to go over this email with you real quick. And he's like, sure. So I read it and he's like, yeah, that's what I said. And I was like, why? He goes, okay, let's stop. He goes, read it again, out loud, read it again. So I read it again. He's like, okay. I'm like, Pastor, why would you do that? He goes, I want you to read it one more time, but read it this time like I'm proud of you. And I love <laughs> right. you. And I right. think you're an amazing youth pastor. And I was like, oh, oh, the, the, whole, the whole tone's different Changes, now. right? Absolutely. And so I can understand how things get misconstrued. Um, but it was a process yeah. of just, but, but when the Holy Spirit showed me like, Hey, you've got your own flesh to deal with, right? You've had your own mistakes. And, and, and Joe and I was my associate pastor. He's, he's awesome. We were talking last night and I said, Joe, when I go out and I'm giving people grace, it's only because I understand the grace that's given to me. Right. And that's, that's exactly, that's how I walked through that. Uh, those moments of, and, and I still, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm very guarded with my own kids. Uh, yeah. I'm very cautious, you know, who they're hanging out with or at church. And, 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 you know, I hate that I have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want them to grow up and, and feel a resentment towards the church or resentment towards God and, and things of that nature. Right. So yeah, it's just still a learning process, man. You know, it's funny you, uh, talking about your kids, you know, cause I, similar stories, you know, I've been in ministry 23, 24 years now. And, wow. um, my kids, I've got a 21 year old, a 20 year old, a nine year old. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I almost look at like the same, the same way I see hand sanitizer. So on the one hand, hand sanitizer is supposed to help us, but get rid of the germs. Right. On the other hand, we don't get an immunity. Right. You know? And so I, that balance of what, how to shelter your kids in that environment right. and, and should you mm. and how much you should, I should say. Absolutely. It's so it's, well, there's no answer other than just listening to what God wants you to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and for me, it's, it's big to, to create avenues of conversation because once yes. again, the, the, the atmosphere I was raised in and the era that I was raised in, um, you just didn't talk a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm 42 and I'm waiting on my dad to have the sex talks with me. It's still not happened. <laughs> I'm just saying, I hope that when, when we get off, when we get off podcast, I'll walk you through it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've got triplets. They're nine years old. I think we got this thing figured out. Okay, um, okay, I think we're, we're good. You're set. But but that's just the way it was. There was not a lot of conversations happened growing up in my household, and so I've really worked hard to build uh, conversation pieces with my kids and to, to let them know, hey, dad's always available. Mm. Um, my son texted me the other day and he's like, hey, dad, um, I got a question, but if you're in a meeting, it can wait. I was in the meeting, but it couldn't but wait. It didn't wait. That's I right. stopped the meeting. I'm like, hey, I got to answer this real quick. I'll be right back. And I step out and um, he wanted to know if he could have a Diet Coke out of my refrigerator. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> you can have one of my Diet Cokes. Um, that is a big deal, though. But it is a big deal to, that he knows yeah. that no matter how, what daddy's doing, Dad's going to make time. Yeah. And so that's for me, that's if they do hear something, if they do uh, come across that where they, somebody's talking trash on my dad, they can go to me and it'll give me an opportunity to say, Hey, listen, but here's how the grace of God works. Yes. So, yeah, Yeah, that's awesome, man. What a great perspective. Um, For those of you guys listening right now, um, by the time this recorded podcast airs, we'll be a few weeks out from another podcast called um, spiritually wounded. And um, Pastor Dan is going to be my first guest on that show. And uh, we're going to get into a lot of these kind of things. And Absolutely. so I encourage you, if you're listening and you've struggled with things in church, um, with hurt yourself or really just don't like church for one reason or another, we're going to talk about some things I think that are going to help you. And and just know ahead of time, my goal isn't to make you go back to church. <laughs> that's, that's not what we're doing. Our goal is that you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Church doesn't make you better. No. It doesn't. It's, it, it, church does not make you better. But what I what I strongly believe is the people around you that make you better. Yeah. And there are some really good people at church. There are. There, there are. are. Yeah. Well, and that's the cool thing. We got some. I got some stats that I want to run by you uh, when we get in that podcast cool. and see. Uh, cool. Can't wait. Get your take on it. Um. All right. So, um, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but you made that change, um, mm-hmm. and really God made it in you. So, uh, um, well, let's see how I want to word this. I'm trying to steer you a little bit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I guess what I would say is what, what, how did that change your trajectory in that moment? I mean, we kind of know where we are right now, but right. But how did that, what did that look like after that moment? Sure. Um, man, that it t- it changed my life. And that's what I tell people. There's, there, there's these moments that will totally change your whole destiny. If you just allow God. Okay, so this youth pastor asked me to preach that night. I do my four-minute sermonette or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, pastors need to hear that everywhere. It took you four minutes to make a change. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, we touched some kids. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, But uh, there was a guy out in the audience who was watching the service, and he was putting together a gospel band. And um, he comes up and he's like, hey, man, I'm putting together this band. I really feel like you should be in it. And all I had were ties to these party guys and these crazy guys and unstable guys. Um, and I had no Christian friends, so to speak of as, as far as people that are like, they're sold out for Jesus. And I thought, you know what? I love music. I love to sing. I love to write. I love to play. And and maybe this is a chance for me to, to, to create a whole new group of friends that I could, cause I knew I couldn't do it on my own. Um, you fool yourself. You think you can be an Island. You can't. Right. And I knew that. And so this guy just really loved on me and we connected and, and I connected him to another guy who was a great singer. He had just given his life back to Christ as well and brought him in. And we, and he's like, well, I got some musicians over here. They want to play. We can sing and we're going to get this band going. And so we did. And then we were horrible. <laughs> it was, we, we didn't know if we, we were like a mixture of Bill Gaither and the crab family. I don't know if you know those guys or oh, not, yeah. but anyway, um, we were just trying to find our own style and, and we were trying to write and, uh, just, 
Anyway, we just kept doing it, and we would get to sing maybe once a month. What was the band called? Christlike. Christlike. Yeah, we you uh, find it on Spotify. Uh, I don't know. We stopped singing back in two thousand and five. Man, you'd be surprised. I don't know. It could be out there. I'm gonna look it up. All right, cool, <laughs> cool. Um, so it's nineteen ninety seven. We're singing maybe once a month, and I remember like we sang several dates, and um, then. I think our fourth or fifth time to be on stage, we actually got an offering and it was a hundred bucks. And we were like, Oh my gosh, there you go. we got a hundred bucks. And so, um, we just kept singing and, um, uh, I guess it was maybe about a year later, year and a half. I don't remember. Uh, we opened up for a group called the crab family and mm. they're phenomenal in gospel music. If you haven't heard them, go, go find Jason crab, Aaron crab, Adam crab. Those guys are awesome. Um, and they got assigned to a record deal. And so we got a label deal out of Nashville and that was amazing. And we're going out, we're cutting albums now and we're actually touring and we're moving and grooving and we're going all the time and doing radio spots. And then our songs, our first single to, we put on the radio broke the top 40 and wow. we had no clue what we were doing. That's and awesome. so it was just God just being, being God. Um, and so then we go from that to traveling a lot and we're, like I said, we're in the studio, we're writing, we're working with amazing, amazing people. Um, and I did that for almost nine years. I guess it was right about nine years. I stayed on the road and my last, my last year was 2005 and 2006. Um, we traveled out of 365 days. We did 211 dates. Wow. (laughs) And we were exhausted. Yeah. I mean, just worn smooth out. And I had met this girl from Arkansas and, uh, knew I was going to marry her. And she traveled with a, a Christian band as well. And uh, we both had that passion, that love for ministry and music. Hmm. And so when I came off the road that year, we we, we said we were going to take a break, but I knew we weren't coming back. Mm-hmm. I knew that everybody was exhausted and, and it just, it was done. And so I was preparing for the next season. I felt like the next season was going to be youth ministry. And so Mary, Jessica, we became youth pastors and that just spurred the gate. I mean, we did that for a, a long time and now we're senior pastors and, it all goes back to that one moment, though, where you say, you know what, I'm going to step out and do this preaching thing. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to be four minutes long, and it's not going to do... And in my mind, I'm thinking, this is going to suck. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> and and what am I doing? I'm not my dad, because my dad was just a dynamic preacher. He could just... I, I would watch him hold a crowd, and it's funny because he, he passed away last September, so it's almost been a year he passed away. But I got to see him a few months before that, and he was preaching at a church. And... Of course, you're always awestruck by your dad. I mean, if he's, if he's, and especially my dad, he was a, a preaching, and I'd call him a preaching machine because he was nonstop. Um, but I watched him that night, and I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just really evaluate this guy. Like, I'm gonna watch him from a pastor standpoint, like not, not being my dad as his son, yeah, but really as a preacher. And that night I watched him like, this dude is amazing. <laughs> he knows how to just, he was spitting the word. He was in the anointing. He was flowing in gifts. He was working the crowd. He was just going and just ministering to everybody. And I sit back and I'm like, I'll never be that dude. Yeah. <laughs> but that was always something in the back of my mind was if, if I step into ministry, I'm never going to be my dad. And um, that was a hurdle in itself to overcome, to realize that God gives you your own voice. And uh, for me, it goes back to that one moment, though, to say, I will preach the gospel mm-hmm. and however the rest of my life turns out, it's going to be preaching the gospel. Yeah. You know, um, I'm reminded of this too, that, you know, when you stop and evaluate what it, what is it that makes the impact 
in people. Right. I'm of the belief that it's authenticity. Yes. Uh, over all other things. Yes. And all that production does is dresses up whatever is being presented, the content. It just absolutely puts some polish on it. Yes. Well, you can, I won't use all the expressions that we've heard of, but the bottom line is, is that if you don't have substance and you have great production, it will be shallow. Yes. And people, the shallow people will appreciate it. Yeah. And deep people will call it out for what it is. That's right. And so, you know, I think when, and you, you don't see the impact, you see appreciation, but you don't see impact. Right. You see impact with authenticity. Yes. And that's true of music. It's true of art. It's true of anything that anyone does. Absolutely. That's all we want. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I say this all the time. It's my pet peeve, I guess, because I love movies. Yeah. And I love good movies. And I'm like, I think that social media, our phones in general, the way we the way we interact today, it has totally destroyed so much creativity. And that's why there's no good movies out anymore. Uh, man, No right? good TV shows. I'm like, they're, they're trying to reproduce stuff they did back in the 80s because it was good in the 80s. Yeah. Let's just remake what we did. It's like, that's lazy. Yeah. But uh, I believe that authenticity, that, that's creativity. That's, that's, that's that God-given spark inside of you, however he does it, whether it's through art, music, preaching, loving people, generosity, whatever your gifting is in life. When you're, uh, when you're real about it, that's when people are like, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I re- we were singing down in Dallas, and the place is packed. There's seven, 800 people there. Mm-hmm. It's great. Every, every, and just the energy's good. And this church is hopping. And so we're, we do our, we do a half a set and we're supposed to take a break and they're going to take up an offering for us. So during the break, they bring this kid up that's got down syndrome to Mm. sing a special. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus. They shouldn't do this to this poor kid. He's going to get made fun of. Mm. He's just a little kid. And I mean, I'm like, I, I remember some, I got some trauma from being a little fat kid. I know what it's like to be made fun of on the playground. And I'm like, I don't know. No, no, no. This is not okay. And I'm, I'm getting a little upset at the pastor for even doing this. Yeah. I'm like, why would you do this to this little boy? So he gets up to the mic. He starts singing. And it's an old gospel song. And it was not on pitch. And it was not on key. But the Holy Spirit fell so hard. Yeah. I'm getting teared up. Jesus, help me, Lord. <laughs> and people begin to flood the altars. Mm. We didn't get to go back and finish the set. Yeah. He just kept singing for Jesus. Amen. It was him being so real and so passionate about the song that he sang. Mm-hmm. And God just, God taught me a lesson. And he said, all I want is you. Yeah. I just need you. I don't need everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that's good, dude. Yeah. That's uh, when I first got into ministry, I did a lot of, um, as you do when you work at a church early on, you do whatever's needed. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I learned how to set some tile back in the day. And uh, the guy, our associate pastor, had that as his business. And uh, he used to say, you know, he's helping this process. And he used to say, um, we'd, I'd see, because I'm a pretty OCD. So I would see how the lines weren't perfect. Right. And then he said, Hey man, don't worry. It'll, it, it looks great once we start grouting. And yeah. And I, and I said, I just don't, I don't see how that can be. Cause you know, I'm 21. Right. <laughs> so of course I'm going to argue with a 55, 60 sure. year old who knows sure. what's going on. But he said, uh, and he used this term and he said, grout covers a multitude of sins. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that is so good. And, and so, you know, I've never forgotten that obviously. I mean, I share that story now, but I think about that and I say that a lot about authenticity. Right. Um, and, and when people, 
you know, being in music for all of my career, basically, um, I've had great bands. I've had lousy bands. Mm-hmm. Um, the most recent stint I've had is, has been probably the most passionate time I've ever had because, um, about 10 years ago, I just adjusted my thought process and I just right. set aside production altogether and just focused on authenticity. And man, it's been amazing. And and I think that that travels into our real life because I mean, be honest, how many of us try to keep up that facade, right? That we're, that's not really us. Right. And, and so, but really people want to get to know who you are. They, they're, I don't think people are scared of people's scars as what as we're, we, yeah, we think they're going to be horrified. Um, I'll share this story. I was preaching and I told my wife on the way to the service, I said, Hey babe, um, because God really worked me in some areas and I, I struggled for years, even in the ministry of pornography mm. and God just really helped me walk out of that process. And, and my wife being so, so good and so gracious with me as we walked through the process. So I said, we're on the way to church. I'm like, I'm going to preach and I'm going to share my testimony and my struggle with pornography. And I think God's just going to set people free. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But my wife, you know, She's just not where I am spiritually. She's not as she's not as holy as I am, and clearly not in the room. Yeah, no kidding. If you're listening, babe, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I was like, no, I want to do this, and so I shared my testimony, and and I was just passionate about how God set me free, and then mm. the process that what that took and what that looked like, and um, I remember my, when my wife she walked in and saw it. She saw me looking at this stuff. It's horrible. Mm. And I thought because we were we hadn't been married very long, and I thought she's going to divorce me. This is it. She's now seeing my scars. She's seeing the real me that struggles. Yeah. And I remember she looked at me, bro, and she says three words. She says, "That's not you." Wow. And I just stopped, and she said, "You're a man of God. You're my husband. You're gonna be the father of my children. You're gonna preach the gospel to the world. Oh That's goodness. not you, dude." And I was like, "Wow." Wow. What, so what, she got an identity pretty quick. She already, yeah, she had it. She got it. It took me a lot longer. And I share this story with, with the church and I'm ready for like the multitudes of men to come down there and repent of their ever loving sin. Sure. And <laughs> I give the altar call and like, you can hear the church mice. You can hear the pin drops. Nobody's moving. Nobody's lifting a hand. Nobody. I mean, no way. And I got in the truck and I was like, man, I'm such a failure. I should have listened to my wife. <laughs> But how many emails did you get? You know what? Over the next week, <laughs> it was over the next week. Um, guys began to call me from the church and yeah. I'm struggling. Can we meet? Can we talk? And, yeah. and now it's not uncommon for me to, to meet with men, um, and just sit down and say, hey, where are you at? How you doing? How, right. you know, what can we do to help? Where are you at in this process? Yeah. Um, to see people set free. I but love that, man. I think that people Gosh. do want to see your scars. They do. I think they do. They do. It, it humanizes you. Yes. You know, how can you possibly speak into someone's life if they think you're perfect? Absolutely. They're like, well, I'm not going to bother him. I mean, he doesn't know. That was my biggest struggle with Jesus. Right. Exactly. How can I be like, be like Jesus, be holy because I'm holy. Well, I'm out. Right. <laughs> I've already cussed and kicked the dog and it's not even 10 o'clock yet. Exactly. You know, and so, yeah, there's a process to all of that and, and walking that out, but it does go back to that identity in Christ, but also being, uh, being very human and mm-hmm. being, being able to be vulnerable in your humanity. I think is huge. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I shared that with a pastor years ago, um, because I felt like he, he, he had a pretty significant sin in his life that had happened years and years and years prior to, to him sharing it. And so he would talk about it a lot and reference it a lot. And, uh, and I said, you know, I, that's good, but man, you know, it's, it's, it's 20 years ago. Right. I mean, people want to know what's up now. 
Right. Like, are you willing to share what you've just dealt with or even scarier what you are currently dealing with? Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a, that's a game changer, man. And I, I think you're right on. I, I think that people, and we were, we were having this discussion with some people the other day and, and <sighs> times are hard right now. I get it. People are losing their job, unemployment rate. I, I get all of that. And this guy was like, he was really struggling. He's like, Dan, he goes, I had to get on food stamps. Mm. I had to get the debit card, you know, the card. I'm like, bro, I've been there. I said, I've got triplets. I've got three nine-year-olds. I said, my wife wasn't working. I'm working three jobs. We're living in a 700 square foot home. I'm like, and I remember the first time I had to swipe that card. Yeah. I didn't feel like a man anymore. I didn't feel like, I was like, what? No. But you walk through those things. Mm -hmm. You walk through that and God will grace you and he'll grow you. And you know what? It will shift. Things will change. It will get better. Um, But to just be able to share stories like, hey, we've been there. Yeah. Life life is hard sometimes, but you you keep pacing yourself, you keep moving yourself, and allowing God to to grow you and walk through that process. Yeah, man, that's good. Okay, so I want to get into the church here in Marlowe, and I want to get into it because you know we talked a little bit before the podcast uh, with Steve Eden and and how that went down, and I you know we know that to this point in our story, the story of Dan Anderson, uh, brought to you by. Stream Grace Network. <laughs> At this point in the story, uh, we know your life got turned around. You began to preach, but how did you end up? Because uh, I know you left Marlowe. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's take us on that journey. Um, I had left Marlowe, we were youth pastoring, and um, just some situations in my own life came up and I dealt with, and I really got angry at the church. And if you've ever gotten angry at the church, I'm going to pause so you can say, amen, <laughs> amen, amen. Yeah. And so I need a sound button. <laughs> no it. kidding. Um, and I, and I walked away. I was done with the church. I was done trying. I was done with all that. And so I took a job at Coca-Cola uh, in Oklahoma city and I loved that job. I really did. I made a lot of money, made a lot of connections. It kept me busy. Um, I just loved the way the whole corporation was working and I thought I'll just climb the ladder to the top and that's what I'm going to do. And so started doing that and just basically God was no longer, uh, just wasn't a part of my life anymore. I didn't Mm -hmm. go to church. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't really care. Um, didn't listen to worship music. Didn't care about music as far as that went. Um, started doing a lot of crazy things again, finding myself into some bad situations and bad places. Um, and then one day I'm driving and I'm towards Clinton, um, Oklahoma, and I'm going to see a client out there and the Holy Spirit just speaks to me and says, I'm not done with you. Hmm. And I was like, well, I'm done with you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said, you're going to start a church in Marlowe. You're going to be part of a ministry in Marlowe. And I said, God, I'm not going back to Marlowe. They have no Starbucks. <laughs> they have no coffee shops. Um, they don't have a Walmart. Oh, you know, we, so th- there's no reason for me to go to, to Marlowe. And um, I like those of the qualifiers. Just for saying. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. God just kept pulling at me, and and eventually I did find myself back, and uh, I was working at Ray of Hope Church, which is is in Comanche, which is just a few minutes south of Marlowe, and I loved uh, Pastor Mike McCord. We had him last night at our church doing a leadership uh, mm-hmm. meeting, and loved how they did church and what they did, and the way they loved people was just phenomenal to me, and I thought I'm just going to hide out here, and uh, I, I helped out in the youth ministry and doing junior high as a youth pastor there, um, but God just kept he hit me again. He's like, I told you to go to Marlowe hmm. and God connected me with a group of people that were starting a church and they'd called it eternal life church. And, uh, I thought, man, that sounds like something my grandma would come up with. <laughs> I'm like, that's not cool or catchy or anything. 
but they were so passionate mm. and they were so hungry to see God do something. I said, you know what? I, I kind of like the name eternal life church. Now I like the way this is going and getting to visit with them. And, um, the first night we met, there was just a lot of just spiritual things happening. You could feel like connections like crazy, like God is setting all this up. And uh, they sl- and out of nowhere, they're like, do you have a sermon prepared? And I was like, well, I thought we were just going to talk about church, but all right. So we, <laughs> we go in another room and I just preach my guts out and the Holy Spirit fell and we cried and we prayed together. And um, and the, within a month, I'm, I'm the new pastor of, of a church um, and and we're in this rundown Pentecostal, old Pentecostal church that we're renting. Hmm. Um, but God was so good to us. And we watched that 11 grow to about a hundred ish. And, uh, which is big for Marlowe. I was going to say in a town of what? 3,500. 3,500. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, within a year. And so, uh, there was a, a bar for sale. It was actually the largest bar in Stevens County. Hmm. And, um, God just made a way that we could purchase that. And it was amazing how the, the, the finances just flowed. The people were faithful and they got on board with it and we bought it and we watched it just explode. We watched it get up to numbers of 300 to 350 within the next few years. Wow. And, uh, it I want, just, I want to stop you cause I want yeah. you to talk about the, the, the financial thing sure, here. Cause sure. I, I think this is an amazing thing. A lot of churches, and I just want to preface this, a lot of churches start begging for money, right. but I love what you did. Well, and I want you to talk about that. Um, we 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 loved the the building. We loved the idea of getting this building. Um, but it was going to be two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we didn't have. I don't think we had two hundred fifty dollars in the bank. Mm. So you might as well have said two hundred fifty million. That's sure. that's that was astronomical to us. Uh, I think I was making seventy five dollars a week as the pastor, and you know, not sure if I need to give that back to make sure we made the uh, electric payment for the month. <laughs> right, but. Um, we, I said, we're going to load up this morning and we're going to go down to the building. We're going to lay hands on it, walk around it, and we're going to see what God says. And we're going to come back and vote. And if you feel like this is what God wants us to do, we're going to move forward. Because we're, we're not a voting church and we're, that's not our thing. But I feel like with this is just a God moment that we need to be all in. Yeah. If we're going to do this, let's be all in. And so we went down there and we prayed. I had a guy in the back of a, a flatbed truck and he's just playing the acoustic guitar and he's just singing worship. Mm-hmm. And we're praying over this building. We go back to the sanctuary, go back to our church. We get in the sanctuary and um, took a vote. Everybody's on board. And I said, listen, the bank said that we can get this loan, but we got to come up with, I think it was $30,000. Mm. And um, this guy in the back says, well, I got five grand I'll give. And then we got somebody else will give five grand. They matched it. Somebody else has five grand. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're in a building program. Um, Afterwards, a lady, an older lady in the church, she, uh, she came to us and um, she, she began to tell the story of how her son had gone to that bar and daughter-in-law had gone to the bar and how that bar had destroyed their lives. Mm. And she said, that bar has taken and taken and taken from this county. We need to take it back. Mm. She gives a check for $30,000. Oh, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is God. Yeah. This is, and uh, we, we, don't, we don't take up offerings in our church. We don't beg for money to our church, but it's like God does crazy, crazy things, just stuff like that. I've got a hundred stories to share. Um, we don't have time for it, but to watch God do what he does um, and to realize that it's his church. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to get this building. We transformed it. We we turned it into, it's a uh, spirit-filled contemporary. There's nothing like it in our area, for yeah. sure. Especially when we first pulled the trigger, we were we were the rebels, man. They were like, those guys are crazy up there. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I have a feeling you like that label. <laughs> I kind of do. I kind of do. I uh, yeah, I do. I mean, you know, yeah. It's uh, when when you're rocking the boat a little bit, you're you're definitely not sitting still. Well, you know, I went to a, a youth pastor at uh, Church in the Move in Tulsa, yeah. and, and uh, Blaine Bartell was the youth pastor at the time. He's got an amazing story. Um, I, I got to sit down with him because he's running like 1,200 teenagers, yeah. And I just started youth pastoring at the time. And I said, Blaine, what's your secret? I'm like ready for this, um, you know, give me the, the one, two, threes, ABCs, how we're going to grow a youth ministry. And he said this, and I don't know if it's his originally, but he said it and it changed my world. He said, Dan, light yourself on fire. The world will show up to watch it burn. Wow. And that's all I've done. Yeah. I thought, God, light me on fire. Whether I'm behind the pulpit, whether I'm one-on-one with somebody, if I'm in Walmart, if I'm going out there, doesn't matter, light me on fire. And I won't have to do one thing to promote myself. Right. The world will show up to watch it burn. That's strong. Yeah. That is strong. Yeah. People need to hear that. I'm glad you're listening to this podcast right now. That's big. Um, Switch gears just a touch. Sure. Uh, what would you call your most significant failure or regret that has uh, maybe altered the perspective you've got? That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Wow. Why didn't you send me these questions previously? You're st- I mean, whoa. I know. I know. Okay. I know. Okay. I waited till we're getting, we're getting close to the end. I, uh, okay. I won't make a squirm too much. <laughs> no, I think that's a great question. So, uh, one of my greatest regrets, um, it's, it, it's a regret that has changed me for the better though. Sure. Yeah. So there was some issues in the church and I'm not going to name names and get all this, but there was a, there was a, there was some issues in the church and you have to understand my mentality, the way that I was raised was to be a good soldier. I said, I'm a great team player, but when it comes to the church, um, I was taught to just be a soldier. You just get the job done. And, um, there were some issues with in the leadership and one of the main leaders, he would tell me what to do and I would just do it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're, you're an elder. I'm, I'm the pastor. You're the elder. What, what do you, what do you want done? And I had to take sides at one point mm. in the, in the elder leadership. I took the wrong side. And it came out of a lot of manipulation. And I was easily manipulated because, once again, I was just a good soldier. I was going to do what I'm told to do. And I watched some really good families leave. Mm. Really good people walk away, hurt. And here's what I learned very quickly. And once again, I've never seen your pastor before. And I didn't go to seminary. So these are learning moments. But I realized this. When things go bad, nobody blames the elders. (laughs) Right. I'm just saying, bro. (laughs) The pastor gets it. Yeah. And I realized realized immediately that I'd messed up. Mm. But I didn't know what to do. And I began to pray. And I began to seek God and I, I was so devastated. I was just, and, and I knew that I'd messed up because I lost some really great people. Just, mm. l- they loved me. And I didn't realize that I thought I was just doing the right thing in the right moment. And honestly, I was being used as a pawn to get rid of them. And then I look back now and I see that. And then I made a decision that day. I told my wife, I said, I will never be manipulated again. Mm. I will never step into that ever again. And that's that behind closed doors church stuff that we don't talk about. Right. And um, I made a decision then. And I said, God, I said, I'm, I'm giving this church to you. But there's some changes going to have to happen if I stay here. And uh, it was crazy because I went on vacation the next week. 
and come back. And we're having an elders meeting that when I got back that Monday, when I pulled up, um, the guy that had caused all the trouble to manipulate, he resigned. Wow. He was like, my health can't handle this anymore. Mom, I just can't do this. And all of a sudden we have hardly any elders in a broken system. And I was like, okay, God, we got to get this right. Mm-hmm. If this church is going to survive, we got to get this right. And we begin to seek counsel with other pastors. We begin to start an eldership in place, new elders, a new board. We've got new bylaws. we got new structure, everything. And God totally turned that whole church around. Mm-hmm. Um, but that looking back at that moment, um, that was so huge for me that I'd hurt people because as a pastor, that's not our job. Man. That's if, if you're up there being a jerk behind the pulpit, go sit down. Nobody wants to hear you. Right. It's true. My dad told me something so significant when I was young. He said, son, if you're ever behind the pulpit and you're angry, just do an altar call and dismiss service. <laughs> right. Don't preach angry. You yeah. know, um, mm. it's like that. Don't drive angry. Don't right. drive angry. <laughs> don't preach angry and don't be mean. And, and you're, you're their pastor. You're the shepherd. And, and, and I, I hear you like, well, sometimes you got to break the, the sheep's legs. No, you don't. The Holy Spirit touches people and, and, and loves people and will correct people. You are there to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And in that moment, um, seeing the hurt that I'd caused. Hmm. That was about four years ago. In the last year, almost every one of them have come back to the church. Hmm. Restoration. And yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I'm going to give you a little reprieve. Yeah, please do. It's <laughs> rough on me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So tell me about an experience or a revelation that you were the most grateful for. Oh, I did not want to pastor. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to pastor at all. And I was still fighting this, even though I had met with these folks and 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 I uh I accepted it. I said, okay, we're gonna do this. I was really um still God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't know if I can do it. And I think it was a lot of my own insecurity of can I do this? Um, because I've been with some really great pastors who did it well, and they've been doing it for 40 years. I'm like, here I am, this snotty-nosed 30-something-year-old guy, um, and I'm going to come in and change the town of Marlowe, whatever. Um, and I'm not a big, okay, I was raised Pentecostal, so I think a, a lot of the things I've seen were just weird. Sure. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of weirdos out there in the charismatic Pentecostal circles. They're just uber spiritual. Every, I mean, we had a flat tire. It must be the devil stabbing our tires. Whatever. Yeah, you didn't change your tires. And, you know, whatever. Come on. So This I'm, isn't a 110,000 mile tire? No. Come on. So stuff like that. I just grew up seeing a lot of uber weird stuff. And so I don't buy into a lot of things because sometimes you just have a bad burrito and you have a dream and that's not God. But while I'm in the midst of all this, God, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. And this has never happened to me before. It's never happened since. And so I had a vision. Hmm. And it's the only one I've ever had in my life. Ever. But while I'm, I'm having this conversation in myself and my spirit, I, am, I open up my eyes. And I'm standing in the middle of this field. And I'll never forget this. There's this little round hole. And water is bubbling out of this hole. And I'm standing over it. But something inside of me is saying there's so much value in this hole. There's value in this water. There's value. And I keep hearing that word value over and over. 
And I look over and I've got a couple of younger pastors standing by me in this vision. And I said, guys, y'all go get a shovel, find me a shovel. We're going to dig this up. There's value in this hole. Go find shovels. And they're running around and we're looking for shovels and we're in the middle of this field. Out of nowhere, an older pastor that I knew appears behind me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, Dan. And I turn around and said, pastor, look, there's value here. We need a shovel. Help me find a shovel. And he says, Dan, just speak to the hole. And I argued, I said, no, Pastor, you don't understand. We need a shovel. We got to dig this thing out. And he said, Dan, just speak to the hole. And I began to speak to that hole and I began to prophesy. And I began to talk about life. And I began to talk about new beginnings. And I was talking about that there's 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 life beyond pain. And I remember these things just coming out of my mind and it was just flowing. And the more I spoke to that hole, the hole never got bigger, but the water began to just shoot out like a spring. And, and just in a mere seconds, I'm standing up to my waist in water. And I woke up, I come out of the vision and I said, Lord, I don't even know what just happened, but I will not tell one soul about this because this is just weird. (laughs) I'm not doing it. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Dan Marlowe was the whole, it's not going to get any bigger. Mm. He said, but there's something underneath that's so precious. And if you'll speak to it, it'll come to pass. And what we found out in our ministry, in our church, it was so great. Last week, we had a young man that he has gone through deliverance. Um, he was an addict, drugs, alcohol, I mean, the whole nine yards. He's, he was there. And last week, we let him give his testimony. Last week, we lost count. I think there was 32 or 33 people that came that we didn't know that were connected to him through parties, through drugs, through alcohol. I mean, they are busted up people, messed up folk that came in by the droves to hear his testimony. What God told me, he said, I'm going to build a church. He said, I'm not trying to build a church of rich people. I'm not trying to build a church out of the elite. I'm not trying to build a church out of church people. I want to build a church out of those that have been dejected and rejected. Mm. They've gone to church and they got hurt. They got turned off. They got left behind. They fell through the cracks. They've maybe felt Jesus back in 1992, but that was the last time. I'm going to build a church and they're, they're precious to me. They got value. Yeah. And that's what we've been building our church on is people that have felt rejected in Marlowe. They felt like they didn't have a home. They haven't felt the presence of God. They feel like they're they're, um, We have people that come that of lifestyles that we don't necessarily agree with biblically, but we love them unconditionally Mm. and we don't judge because we got our own sins to deal with. Right. But we preach Jesus. Amen. And that, that having that, um, having that vision was the fire moment. It, It set me on fire. And I said, God, bring the world. Yeah. Let them see me burn for you. Man. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Um, I got a lot of questions that we didn't get to, which means you got to come back. So okay, cool. Good. I'd love to. Um, but I am, I've am. i got a couple more. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to do this one more. Okay. What would be, you have this opportunity, this platform, what would be the one core value that you would want people to adopt based on observing your life or, or just your own passions. Mm, That's, that's, that's good. That's a good question because there's so many things I pull from in my life. The one core value. And you know, you can cheat. It can be through. No, no, no. I I know what it is. It's, Mm. it's this grace people. Just grace people. Oh, you got me emotional today, bro. Jeez, help me, Lord. Um, my dad passed away. My dad was my hero. You got to understand this. As 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 big of a jerk as he was when I was a kid, he was my hero. Just watching him, he was always his integrity, his his life, just 
was awesome. Hmm. He said he was going to do it. It was going to get done. There was no ands or buts. And he was a man's man. He was. It's like if, if John Wayne and Clint Eastwood had this child, he'd be my dad. <laughs> okay? Freaky, weird, whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the last time my dad talked to me, last conversation we had, we're on the front porch having coffee. And I was I was really struggling because we have people that come to the church and, and and I don't use the word qualified or disqualified. I don't like that. But they're brand new to Christ, but they want to serve. They want to do something. And I'm like, okay, we gotta be careful because the Bible says, Know them to labor among you and don't lay hands on no man suddenly. So I'm very cautious with all this. I'm like, and I'm getting some fatherly advice from my dad, and this is just my dad. I was like, Dad, this is where I'm at. What do you think I ought to do with this? So these people want to come and serve, but they can't be teaching classes. They can't be preaching. They're not. No. What are we going to do, Dad? And my dad didn't attend my church. He still attended a small Pentecostal church. He loved our church, but he um, he felt very called to where he was at. Um, it's funny because after he passed away, I found out that he was tithing half his tithe to our church. Oh, wow. <laughs> Had I known that, I'd have gotten on to him about it, but he never told me. Um, but he said this. He said, Daniel, you know what I love about your church. I was like, what's that? He's like, you guys got great musicians, great singers. He goes, the atmosphere is always perfect when I walk in. He said, the music is good. He said, people are so friendly. He said, what I love most about your church, he said, when I walk in, there's a mint bowl. Hmm. Before I go in the scene, I can grab a mint and put it in my mouth. He said, there's some, some security in that for me. <laughs> when I'm shaking hands or talking to people that I've got this mint in my mouth, he goes, I love the mint bowl. And he said, son, I don't care if they're crackheads alcoholics, prostitutes, dope heads, drug slingers. If they come to your church and they love Jesus and they're still struggling, but they want to do something, he said, grace them enough to let them fill the mint bowl. Wow. Let them fill the mint bowl. That was his last piece of advice to me. Grace them enough. And that's why I look at me. I'm like, just show grace to people. Whatever their struggle, whatever they're doing, I get it. People are stupid. We're all stupid at times. I get it. But I need grace in my life. Let's let's have that same Jesus and that same love. And okay, let's say you're listening today and you're not even a Jesus follower. This isn't your thing. I get it. I get it. Call me. We'll have a conversation. But let's take it outside of the spiritual realm and just to see people as people and that they're they're natural, they're human, and they have flaws and they're going to mess up. Let's have enough grace and love for mankind mm-hmm. to say, I get you, dog. I get what you're going through. I've been there. I've been there. And I think that, that the more we can do that, the greater our relationships are. Because I don't want to be around somebody that, that, that is always judging me or calling out my sin or busting my chops and everything. But I do want to be around people that are like, hey, man, I get what you're doing. It's not okay. But I love you. Yeah, and we can get through this together. I'm willing to walk this out with you. Um, that that is my core value is to grace people. Got to grace them. Amen. Love it, man. Dan, thanks so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Here. My pleasure. I'm excited. Those of you who are uh, listening to this podcast, you don't get to know this, but we're about to record another one, and I'm excited <laughs> about it. Um, I want to again thank you for coming, and uh, thank you for listening. And if uh, you are led uh, internally. To support what we're doing here, you can go to streamgrace.com, click on the uh, support button, or if you want to, if you're one of those guys that want to type it directly, streamgrace.com/support. And uh, thank you for joining us again, and we will see you next time. 
For more episodes, subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Just like-